I want to talk about the reigning glory of God. And if you've got your Bibles, go with me to Isaiah 6. And we're going to read chapters, or verses 1 through 9 uh, here in this passage, or 8, excuse me, in this passage of Scripture. And when we talk about the glory of God, you know, you're talking about the, the value or importance of God. The, 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 the Hebrew word, uh, or, or the word that's used often for the glory of God is, is, is about His weightiness. Come on, it's about the weightiness of God. It's about, uh, and, and, and the reason a lot of times they talk like that is because in ancient times, the way you weighed something, of, uh, you, you always weighed something to see how valuable it was, how much food you had, how much, uh, you know, precious jewels you had. You weighed them, you put them on the scale. And God's glory, you cannot weigh God's glory. I'm telling you, you cannot, you, you just absolutely, His glory is so much. It entails everything. Everything that he is, all of his weightiness, all of his character, all of his essence, everything that God is, all of his goodness, all of his, all of his uh, grace, all of his mercy, all that God is, everything that he is, it, it, you know, he wants that reflected in the earth. He wants that to cover the earth like water covers the sea. He wants that. And, and, he, and, and, and here's why it matters that you don't sin. Here's why it matters that you allow God to set you free. Because, because, we are to reflect His glory. He is wanting to recreate us into the image of God. And we are to reflect His glory. When the, when the world sees us, they're to see Christ in us. Amen? The hope of glory. They're to see that. Not a worldly church. Not a corrupt people. Not people that they can't tell a difference from the world and us. We are to come apart and be separate and we're to be filled with the glory of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have Christ Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so that, that life of Him is supposed to be bursting forth out of us and the world and all around us are supposed to see Christ in us. The love of Christ, the, the mercy of Christ, the grace of Christ, the, 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 the everything of Christ is supposed to be radiating from our life, the holiness of Christ. And that, that go, we're supposed to go public with His infinite worth. That's what God is doing in His glory. He's going public with His infinite infinite worth and the radiance of his holiness. And that's what happens here in the book of Isaiah. And I want to read it with you. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, the Bible says. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord host. The whole earth is full of His glory. He tells us the whole earth is filled with His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with the smoke. And th then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and he said lo this has touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us now now 
This story is amazing. There's something in verse 3 that I want you to see specifically because he says this, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. And, and, and so, in other words, His glory reigns supreme in the earth. He, he reigns supreme in the earth. No ma- in other words, no matter is what is happening, no matter how dark the days get, no matter when they shut borders down, no matter when they shut towns down, no matter when they shut cities down, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how many coffins are lining our streets, no matter how dark it becomes in the earth, the Bible says that, that, that my glory will be manifested in the earth. There's nothing that can stop my glory from reigning supreme in all of the earth, no matter how dark. Right? So the question becomes then, see, he's saying it's more glorious, it's more powerful, it's more triumphant. It's the most powerful force there is in all the earth. Greater than coronavirus. Greater than the schemes of the enemy. Greater than the power of the enemy. My glory is so strong and so magnificent and so triumphant and so mighty that nothing can hold it back and nothing can stop it. And so the question is, what is glory manifest? What is the glory that is manifested in the earth? See, you can't, if we were to talk about the glory, we could spend the next bazillion years talking about the glory of God. That's why when we get to heaven, we're never going to exhaust learning the things of God because they're ever changed. He's just deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. You're just going to find out more about this wonderful Savior and this wonderful God we have. That's why they just keep crying out. They never get tired and say, hey, how about moving me to another side of heaven? I'm bored now. I'm bored being this close to the the glory of God. I'm bored being this close to God. You know, we've been crying out for billions of years I'd like to go somewhere else and see something they never do that they just keep seeing something more magnificent and crying holy 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 he's holy and they try to turn away and they look again my goodness he's holy my goodness he's magnificent my goodness I can't stand I gotta fall down I gotta worship him I gotta prostrate myself before him he's glorious And, 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 and the glory is manifested and the earth is filling the earth and it has power and it has life transforming uh, change that can take place in the earth. And so we want to look today at three things in Isaiah 6 regarding how it reigns supreme in the earth. How we can see that the glory of God reigns supreme in these three verses or, or in these verses right here in Isaiah. We're going to look at just three. Like I said, it's an inexhaustible uh, subject when you talk about the glory of God. You can never exhaust it. You keep talking more about His character, His essence, His weightiness, all these wonderful attributes of God. But we're going to pick out three right here that I believe prove that His glory is reigning right now in the earth. But before we get to those three, I want to talk about real quick, just take you back on a journey at what's happening here when Uzziah is here. And I, or we're talking about Uzziah. We're talking about Isaiah in the temple. How, how the glory of God reigns in Isaiah 6. Well, here it says in verse one in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So we got Uzziah is dead. 
Uzziah is a king. He's a godly king of sorts. And, and so the Bible tells us that Uzziah has died. And Isaiah, because Uzziah has died, and this is a very, very troubling time, where does he go? Thank goodness he runs to the temple and he begins to pray. He's despondent. He's despairing. He he's comes to the temple. And I'll tell you why he's despondent and despairing. is because their king is dead and the Assyrians are ma- amassing themselves and coming against them at this point this time and so he's troubled he sees the distress all around him he sees the invading armies all around him and their king their defense their shield their buckler right there is dead and so he runs to the temple to begin to pray and and he's troubled the bible says in this place because they're coming against jerusalem and if you don't know anything about the assyrians go study go study history they are brutal brutal people brutal i mean wicked Brutal what they would do to people and, and, and how they would invade people at this time. And so at the time that, that, that the country needed, needed this king the most, he is gone. And there's this trepidation that begins to go inside the heart of Isaiah and all sorts of people at this time. And God does something so unexpectedly at this time. God shows up to the prayer meeting. Yeah. And it shocks him because how many know when we come to the prayer meeting, we really don't expect God to come down in the midst, right? And so all of a sudden, he is praying and all, and in the midst of this trepidation, in the midst of this fear, in the midst of this praying, all of a sudden, God shows up. And when God shows up, God comes with a revelation of the glory of God that is filling the earth. He shows Isaiah something that is filling the earth at that time and why he does not need to be in trepidation, why he does not need to be in fear, because there's something reigning greater than the Assyrian people. There's something reigning greater than the death of a king. There's something reigning greater than earthquakes and pestilences and famines in the earth. There is something more powerful and moving in the earth. And so Isaiah sees this and he begins to see what's reigning in the earth. And that's the three things I want us to see from Isaiah 6 that I want to excite you about. And it's going to give reason for people like Peter and Angela to say, you know what? Without the bad stuff that's going on and the, you know, maybe we just need to put on the brakes and just hold back a little bit. No, because we're going to see something reigning in the earth that says full speed ahead. We're moving forward in God's plan. Amen? And that's why we're in church today. Because there's a world out here that needs Jesus. There's a world out here that needs Jesus. There are people that are desperate. We need to be running to the need. We need to be visiting people. We need to be laying hands on the sick. We need to be going out into the highways and byways and hedges, regardless of what's going on in the earth, and touching the people and laying hands on them and seeing them recover and leading them into the glorious glory of Almighty God. Amen? And so he shows up with this revelation of the glory of God filling the earth. And verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord... And, and, and it's, all, it's, it's as if God made Himself manifest and visible to remind Isaiah that while I'm invisible, I'm still reigning in my glory over the earth. While you don't see me, I still am here reigning and ruling in the earth. And there's this revelation that begins to come to him. And that's what those three things. What is the revelation of God's glory filling the earth? Well, number one, the revelation of God's glory filling the earth is the glory of God himself reigning in the earth today. 
That's the very first thing Isaiah sees of the reigning glory of God here. He sees that the incredible majesty of God. That God is reigning in the earth. That God is seated on the throne. Look at verse 1 again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim, each with six wings, and with twain He covered His face, and with twain He covered His feet, and with twain he did fly and one cried up to another holy 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 for the Lord of hosts for the whole earth is full of his glory and the post of the door moved and the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke now Isaiah is there he's praying about the encroaching armies that are coming upon him and all of a sudden the spiritual veil is pulled back by God and he sees the incredible majesty of God he sees that the majesty of God is reigning in the earth he sees that God is alive and God is on the throne God is surrounded by angel armies and God is not biting his nails pacing back and forth saying I can't believe the Assyrians are coming I can't believe King Uzziah died I can't believe my people are in trepidation God is seated on the throne in His majesty, in His glory, in His great power. He's ruling and reigning. And the Bible says that all of a sudden Isaiah begins to notice and see the majesty of Almighty God. It says the robe, His robe filled the temple. That means every nook and cranny of that temple was filled with the glory of God. He couldn't go to the left without bumping into the glory of God. He couldn't go to the right without bumping into the glory of God. He couldn't go forward or backwards without into the glory of God. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Amen? Isaiah is frail. He's weak. He's defiled. But he can't move anywhere without running into the holiness of God. And the Bible says he saw the throne high and lifted up. And guess what? Now Isaiah is not worried about the Assyrians anymore. Assyria who? Now he's not worried about ISIS anymore for our day. ISIS who? He's not worried about coronavirus. Coronavirus who? Because all he can see is the majesty of God. Who cares about coronavirus? Who cares about Assyria? Who cares about the stock market? Who cares about what's going on in Washington or not going on in Washington? Here's God seated on the throne. He is high and lifted up and His holy train fills the temple and His glory covers the earth. Amen? Hallelujah. And His glory and His holiness can penetrate any sinful heart. And that's what takes place with Isaiah here. The Bible says that, 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 that the glory of God fills the earth. And that's the second manifestation that we see of the glory of God that's reigning in the earth. First of all, it was God Himself and His majesty. But number two, it was God's glory and grace that is reigning in the earth. God's glory and grace reigning in the earth right here. Look at what it says. It says the all and the purging of sin can only represent the grace of God that flows so freely from the cross. Then he said, Woe is me, for I'm done, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people that are unclean with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And what he's, what he's coming to realize is that no matter how dark the world becomes, no matter how dark a certain continent becomes, no matter how sinful the hearts become, there is the mercy 
mercy of God that is available to anyone who will call out to God and begin to say, God, have mercy upon me. God, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. Remember me, God, when you come into your kingdom. And we see God that is, we see that God's glory and his mercy and we see his grace reign in the earth because look at what it says. Then said he, woe is me for I'm undone. And then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and he said, lo, this has touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. That's the grace of God. That is the grace of God. The grace of God. He says, I'm not only reigning over the darkness out there, I'm reigning over the darkness in here. And that's what he's showing Isaiah. He's showing Isaiah. I don't care what's going on out there. My glory reigns in the earth. My glory fills the earth. And my glory fills it, first of all, through my majesty. And my glory fills it, second of all, by the grace of God that is moving in the earth. I don't care about the crack house down here. My grace can, is sufficient. My grace can move right through that place. And it can offer the mercy of God to people. I don't care about the prisons being full. My grace can come into that place and transform it and turn it upside down. I don't care about your house and the people in it that are so hard-hearted because my grace is moving throughout the earth. And my grace covers the earth like water covers the sea. And it's all at this moment. Yeah, all fear leaves when the grace of God comes into a heart. Isaiah's no longer fearful because old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. He's not afraid of God anymore. Just like we came into this place today and we begin to lift up our holy hands to holy God and we begin to sing because one time we met God just like this and we received his grace. And now all the fear of being separated for a lifetime, all the enmity between us and God has now vanished and now we can come near to God with a, with a heart of assurance that, it, that there's a throne of grace to help us in our time of need. So now all of a sudden God has revealed this to Isaiah that my glory and my grace is covering the earth. Isaiah receives that grace and now the fear is gone. All fear is gone because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because He lives Right? Didn't the fear go? I mean, I'm sure if he set foot right here and did what he did to Isaiah, I'm going to fall flat on my face and die like everybody else did in the Scriptures. But there's something that I had a fear all my lifetime. And in 1994, when I came to him, I knew I became a child of God. I could call him Abba Father, Daddy. I could call him Father. And I call him that when I meet him in prayer. And I'm not afraid to go into that place. And you know what? Even when I fail him, I'm not afraid anymore. Because he says, he says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'd be scared if I held on to that thing. But I know now when I mess up, I know to run immediately back to the throne of God and say, Father, here I am. Help me. You know, Give me strength and help me to walk out of this place. So it's in these moments moments that all fear begins to be gone and and because we know we've been clean and we've been made in right standing with God and grace truly reigns because there is no life that grace cannot touch in this earth amen I got saved I hate telling my life story and I don't want to ever embarrass my wife but I got saved I got saved a couple nights after going to a strip joint where I shouldn't have been and the grace of God met me. A dirty, filthy guy. 
I heard about a preacher. He was at a party. He said the Spirit of God came into the party. He was around hooligans. He was around all kinds of wicked people around him. He was wicked. And he said the grace of God moved into that party. And he said he got up and before he got to the door, he said, I was saved. He said, I was saved. I was gloriously saved. He said, I went into the office the next day and he said, I told my boss, he said, I still reeked of alcohol from the party. I didn't even have time to get up and take a bath. He said, I came in there, smelled and reeked. He said, my boss was a Christian. I told my boss that I, I had gotten saved and the boss just looked at him like, well, all right. And he said, he said that a, a couple of years later, he got called to Bible school and the boss called him in there. They were having a party to send him off. And the boss said, I got to tell you something, brother. He said, I apologize to you. When you came, he said, you remember a couple of years ago when you came and told me you got saved? He said, I said, he said, I said in my heart, he'll never make it. He'll never make it. That guy will never make it. And he said, oh, but, but, but the grace of God, the grace and the glory of God, it can go anywhere in the earth that it wants to. It can move behind the iron curtain. It can move behind the dark continent. It can move behind the bamboo curtain. It can move into Moldova and Romania. It can move into Africa. It can move into Brookside. It can move into Graysville and Adamsville. It can move down into New Orleans and all those places you've written off. It can move into our sons and daughters. The grace of God reigns in the earth. Amen. And Isaiah saw that it was more powerful than the dark times he was living in. Amen. Hallelujah. Sadly, everybody doesn't believe that, though, because you get people that start coming into your churches like that, and then somebody will call you, and they'll say, uh, you better watch out. Can you believe so-and-so's coming to your church? Uh, we, we're glad he's coming there because we don't want him. You know, and then I would say on the other end, we're glad he's here because old things have passed away in his life, and all things have become new. The glorious, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The glorious grace. Ephesians, that's what Paul wrote. The grace of God reigns gloriously in the earth today. Yeah. Hallelujah. Number three and the last one. The third manifestation or of the reigning glory of God in the earth is through the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that Isaiah sees here. And... and we see the majesty of God. Isaiah says, I'm undone. I'm unclean. And he sees the grace of God. Oh, but forgive me. And then immediately the response of grace does what Angela and Peter are doing and what the rest of you are doing. It makes evangelists out of us. It causes us to go out with this glorious gospel. And we say, God, you don't have to look any, any further because here I am. Send me. You need workers in the earth. You need laborers in the harvest field. You need somebody to go to a next door neighbor. You need somebody to go across the street. You need somebody to visit somebody in a nursing home or a hospital. Here, why not look elsewhere? Here I am. Send me. You need somebody to go and, and, and write a letter to somebody in a prison in some other country. You need me to do something. You need me to get on a plane and go across the world. Here I am. Look no further. Send me. And that's the reigning glorious gospel that is revealed here that is going throughout the earth. Look what he says. He says, also, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go? And then he said, here I am. Send me. And that's the response of a heart that is touched by grace. And evangelism, uh, an evangelist is simply 
somebody touched by the grace of God. They're touched by the grace of God. We're overwhelmed by the grace of God. 1994, I give my heart to the Lord. I'm so overwhelmed. I cannot believe God would save a wretch and a sinner like me. I'm literally immediately saying, I got to do something. I got to go somewhere. I got to tell somebody, especially after I begin to read in here and see this is truth. Everything in here is truth. Everything in here is is about God. I'm seeing His glory. I'm seeing His majesty. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to scream it from the housetop. I've got to go somewhere and tell somebody the good news of the gospel. So the response of being touched by grace is it ought to move you somewhere. To teach, to sing, to go to move, to do something. Here we are, send us. And, and, and so we see that the angel took the coal off the altar. What is coal? Coal is fuel, right? And so, so fuel, the message of the cross is the fuel. The fire of evangelism is the message of the cross. I'm sure you learned that from Reinhard Bunky because that's what he preached so often and such simplistic is the message of the cross around the world that, 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 that is just the fuel of, it's the fire of evangelism and it begins to go around the world. And God, you know, this Isaiah is saying, and we're saying God raised me up for a reason now. He raised me up to bring a message of hope in the dark darkest of times to take this gospel to the continents of the world. And that's exactly what we want to do. And as we begin to see that, there's really only in closing two things that last forever that I began to really go into the Word of God. There may be a couple others, but these two I know will last forever in eternity. And number one, that is uh, uh, that will last forever is God's Word. And number two is people. And so shouldn't we be investing in those two things? If that's, if that's going to make it into eternity, your house isn't going to make it. And yet we spend a lifetime working on our silly houses that are going to fall apart. We're going to leave them to somebody else and they're not going to take care of it. Or a termite's going to eat it up. And we'll spend all our life and all our money working on something as foolish as that. Or a car. And I'm not saying you can't have a house or a car and enjoy those things, but I'm just saying the things that are going to be eternal is God's Word. And the other thing that's going to be eternal are the people in this room and the souls outside these doors. And so we need to invest in that and we need to take the glorious good news of the gospel and tell them, you know what? You're in a dark, dark time. But God's glory reigns. It reigns supreme. It fills the earth and it can reach you. There was a, there was a man that had a, a, two more things and then I'll close. A, a, a dream of a nuclear bomb. I heard him telling a pastor that I listen to often. And uh, he said he, he, it was the end of the, end, end of the times in a nuclear bomb. He was in a city. And he said it just mushroom clouds were off in the distance. And he said buildings were catching fire and they were beginning to crumble and they were beginning to fall. And he said in the midst of that, he was just in the middle of this thing. And he said he was singing sweet love songs to Jesus as he was watching all this singing sweet love songs to Jesus. And, and a guy came up to him and said, man, are you mad? Are you crazy? What are you doing? And he said, and he just said, he, he just had this peace and this joy in the midst of that. And he just told that man, he just looked at the man and he said, there's always hope in Jesus. 
There's always hope in Jesus. And the man said, there's always hope in Jesus? He said, there's always hope in Jesus. And the man said, are you serious? There's always, there's always hope in Jesus. He said, I've come to tell you there's always hope in Jesus, Shanae. And the guy said, there's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus. He led the man to Jesus in his dream. And the two of them, as the earth has fallen to pieces, are in arm in arm talking about the singing the great songs of Zion and saying, there's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus. He woke up and the Lord spoke to him and he said, I don't care how dark the times get, there's always hope in me. And so I want you to get a revelation of the glory of God that is reigning in the earth today. Because I'm seeing a lot of downcast faces. I'm getting a lot of calls. And I get it because we're all going through these curves and talk about the corona curve. That's most of everybody's mood curves. Right? Because we've never experienced things like this. But God's glory can reign so supreme. So supreme in our lives. We can get such a vision of His glory that we can say, hey, God's got this. God's got this. God has got this. God has got this. And we always have hope in Jesus. Let the next bad news come. There's still hope in Jesus. Let it get worse. There's still hope in Jesus. That's still the message to take outside of this wall. There's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you, God, for the fact that there's always hope in you. Lord, you are so good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, I thank you that there's always, always hope in you. Lord God, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that in times like these, God, when much like Isaiah, man, there's enemies encroaching everywhere. They're dug in to our, our government. They're everywhere we look. There's enemies. God, everywhere we look, things are happening at a rapid pace. Our streets are filled with violence. There's division at every turn. But in that time, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up. And his glory filled the temple. And his glory covered the earth. And oh God, he saw these three wonderful aspects of the glory of God. Our God's reigning in majesty. Oh, our God's grace is filling the earth. There's still grace no matter how bad it looks, no matter how wicked the earth becomes. The grace of God can move into the most violent and evil and wicked man or woman. And oh God, oh God, and the glorious gospel is filling the earth. God, I believe you want to awaken people to take the real, true, right gospel to the whole world and then the end will come and lord we just thank you for it we praise you for it we give you the glory in jesus name